Well, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your testimonies, Lord. We pray for increase in that and more power, more anointing, more breakthrough, more provision, more healing, a more insight, more revelation, and more int intimacy with you as we pursue you with all our heart, as we worship you in spirit and truth. Help us, Lord, to be uh, what you want us to be and to do those things you want us to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there's a scripture that says God um, reveals himself in his word and he tells us the end from the beginning. That he shows him, he manifests himself in his word and we can get clues in the word um, uh, through what he's done in the past and we can project into the future what he's going to do in the future because God is the same yesterday, today and forever. His word changes not that his nature is the same. Um, you know, some people might look at the Old Testament and say, well, it looks like God was very angry back then. And in the New Testament, he's a little bit more friendly. He's more uh, user-friendly in the New Testament. But the reality of it is, God's nature is the same. He hates lawlessness and he loves righteousness. Right? Um, right now, you know, our nation is going through birth pangs. It's going through a tremendous time. And, you know, we are so blessed to live in the United States of America. You know, we are, um, I would say, the best that the world has to offer. But we have so much liberty, we can also veer off to the worst that the world has to offer. Wouldn't that be true? I mean, we, we probably use the most drugs of any country on the earth because there's so much liberty, you have the, the access to it. You can do that if you want. I'm not extolling that in any way, but I'm just saying that's a reality where uh, there's a lot of liberty. Um, there's a lot of restraint that must be shown. You know, when we can do anything that we want, you know, there has to be an inner uh, guide to tell us, no, that's not good. That's not the way to go. If I were to mention the word repent, what would you, what would be the definition? Anybody want to venture a guess on the word repent? That's a good one. That's a good. Make a U-turn. That's a good definition. That's one that I have written down. Another one is uh, changing of your thoughts. Changing of what goes on in your head, you know. That's equally as important. They're both important. The Hebrew definition of repent means to turn around. The Greek definition of the word repent means to change your thinking. Because the way we think will enact our behavior. What we put into our head will determine what we do. Amen? And the thing is... Um, Jesus already showed us how much he loves us. How much he cares for us by what he's done. You know, he's, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So he displayed his love towards us by taking it all the way to the cross and taking that beating and taking that cruel death and the mocking and the scourging and, and just, you know, just being reviled. And he shows, this is the extent that I love you, my sons and daughters. And it's for us to look at that reality Look at the reality of that message. Look at the reality of the historical person of Christ 
who was before time. It says, he made all things. And before anything was made, Jesus was there with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That he incarnated at a certain point in history, and he died for us. And so that's established. But if we um, don't take the time to allow that to permeate our, our being, we could drift away. You know, a repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is ongoing. You know, if we read the book of Revelation, which we have gone through in our study on Wednesday night, um, you guys are all invited. It's 7 o'clock here in this room. We're going through the book of Revelation. We're about two-thirds through it right now. But it's still pretty interesting, the things that are going to come up. But in the churches that are addressed, the seven churches, the book of Revelation is based on sevens, uh, which is the complete number or perfect number. It's called a heptatic structure, which everything around... There's so many sevens in the book of Revelation because it's the wrap-up or the culmination of the whole Bible in the book of Revelation. And to the seven churches he's speaking these messages and to five of them the word repent shows up within the church repent 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 only two of them the church of philadelphia and the church of ephesus or the church of smyrna which is the church that was under a threat of martyrdom that church was extolled and, and no no con, um no rebuke to repent for that church and then also um, the Church of Philadelphia, which was evangelistic, they were loving one another, they were holding firm to God's word, they were looking for the return of Christ, no um, rebuke for them to repent. But the word repent is to the five other churches there. The, the first church, you repent because you have left your first love. You, you, you do, were doing things correctly at the start, but then you got into too much legalism here and you've stepped away from your first love. So please, before I have to remove your candlestick, repent of those works. And so there's that word repent, repent. And is in the last church, the, the church of Laodicea, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke. Repent. I want you sitting on the throne with me. I want you to overcome. You know, um, Eliana and, and even Pastor Tosh, what you said about the victor, um, you know, this, this crown, and it's accurate. And I thank you, Lord, that we live in Hawaii because, you know, it says that they give us a crown when we overcome. It's called a Stephanos, and it's like a, a, a laurel leaves, or it could be olive leaves that will be, you know, weaved together as a crown and placed on our head when we come into glory. That's going to be like, you know, when you see the old Olympics, that's what they would, they would fight for. They would run, they would, they would endure the training in order to receive a crown, a perishable crown. But it says that we'll receive an imperishable crown. And I think that because we live in Hawaii, we're going to get hakulees. Some really cool looking thing that's distinct. These guys are from Hawaii, they got a different look. Because he wants to. He says he's going to, be, he's going to be glorified in every nation, tongue, and tribe of the earth. And there might be some distinction because we lived in Hawaii. And the Hawaiians, they give a hakule. We might get a hakule. I don't know. But that would be cool if we did. <laughs> but we are, as victors in Christ, are going to receive that. It's a victor's crown. And that's a, he who overcomes. He who overcomes. He who took heed to my word. He, the one who took me at my word, those things that were in their life, and uh, they, they, uh, the, the word came in there, and there was a sense of, I need to repent of this. I need to turn from that. I need to change my way of thinking about this. And part of that, part of that realization, part of, I would say, one of the major keys to understanding God is, number one, God is love. 
God is not angry with us. God loves us. He showed it by his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. But he loves us so much, he says, I don't want you to stay in this condition because if we stay in the condition that we are, and we're all, we're all growing closer to the Lord, we're all you know, getting closer by looking at the image of Christ, we're drawing near and drawing near into the image of Christ because those things that cling on to us do us harm and have a tendency to kind of veer us off course. Amen? You know, this nation, this country that we are part of, the, the founders of this country, and America by no means is a perfect country, but it's a lot better than a lot of countries that were ever on this planet. Let me tell you, we were listening to a sermon on the way to church this morning, and we have these kids that have gone to college, and they've been indoctrinated. They weren't educated, they were indoctrinated by their professors to think that, that communism, communism is a viable alternative to the government that we have right now. They have no sense of history. They don't know anything about history. They've been indoctrinated with this foul idea of a godless government, and that's what they would like to see. There's people rioting in the streets. When this weekend should be celebration of this country and the liberty that was given to us as Americans, there should be celebration of that. Instead, there's rioting in the streets. Part of to know where we're going, we need to know where we've been. We got to know our history. And what is the thing that they're doing right now in the cities? They're ripping down monuments. They're ripping, they're putting ropes on these statues of maybe Civil War character. Even they're spray painting Abraham Lincoln. Go figure that one. What is wrong with these people? I, I, that's a good question. That is a good question. I think the same thing. Why do they let them? This should be nipped off at the bud. There's a, like a bunch of spoiled brats who never got a spanking out in, running amok in the streets. And it's dangerous. It really is. You know, I, I heard somebody, I saw something on YouTube and I watched it. And they said, when you see this, you will, you, you know, like how before you go to a football game or a baseball game, they always pray, play the national anthem, right? And a lot of people are just like, you know, even now, these privileged athletes will take a knee and they won't stand up during the national anthem. That you come, you're, you're part of this country and you're making millions of dollars to play a game and this society has provided you the material wealth and the freedom to do this as a living and you won't even stand up for all the soldiers that put their life on the shed blood in order for us to live in this land. And yes, this country has flaws. There's no country on the planet, just like if you examine my life, I got flaws. We all do. We're humans. That's our condition. This country has flaws. But the principles that was based upon this country are good principles. Liberty. Freedom. Freedom of religion. The ability to assemble here as the body of Christ unhindered, unharassed. It says that this country was made with so much liberty that those who founded this country said that we have so much freedoms that this was this form of government that we had was made for a moral people and from another people it will not do. The fault of what we see going on in society lays at the feet of the church. We have failed. We have failed to lift up a standard and be who we're supposed to be to transfer the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the, the moral responsibilities as a people. We have failed. That's why it's running amok like this. 
Have we upheld marriage at the level it should be? No. Why is there so much divorce? Why are people living? Why people don't even want to get married now? Because we set a standard that people fall and it's, it's degrading as we go on. Right? We, that we, you know, didn't stand up strongly enough to say abortion is murder. This is wrong. This is wrong. And yet God is so forgiving, even if there's somebody who has partaken in that, God still forgives. There is forgiveness for that. It's a sin, but it's not like any other sin. It's, I mean, it's like any other sin. There is forgiveness affiliate. Thank God for your forgiveness, Lord Jesus. You know, one time we went to a museum in Orlando. I think it was the believe it or not museum and there's all kinds of weird curious things in there and there was this tube about this long and it had a crank on it and it was you know those tiny beads that you that have a hole through it and they said there's a million beads in here in this tube and you're looking at that they go man a million is a lot you know if you ever seen like somebody's collected a million bottle caps or so it's a heap of of stuff right so it says there's one black bead inside this thing and there's a crank on it you can turn it and he says i challenge you to find that black bead and i cranked that thing and i looked and i looked and i didn't see that black bead because that's a lot of beads in a million (laughs) this country has aborted 60 million children that's heavy man and yet God is still forgiving. God is still reaching out. God is still appealing to this nation to turn and repent, to change your mind. Because I love you. I have atoned for this. I have shed my blood to cover whatever sin it is, whatever it is, that I love you. And I'm calling to you to come into my kingdom. Amen? That's God. That's the word. And so part of repentance is, is, is getting the picture right in our head. The devil is the master of propaganda. He's worse than CNN. I mean, this guy can spin a story real quick. And next thing you know, God is your, is your advocate. He's sitting on the right hand of the throne of the Father, and he's interceding on our behalf. And all of a sudden, the devil of like CNN comes in there, and next thing you know, he's turning God into the bad guy. And you're like, yeah, God, why is that? And we're shaking our fist at God. And it's like, hey, this is our only solution. God is our only solution. And the, 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 the message gets scrambled, and all of a sudden, he's the bad guy. How is that possible? How do we get the signal straight? We got to ask. We got to come humbly before the Lord. I'd say, Lord, maybe I don't have that kind of relationship with you. Maybe there's something, there's, there's antennas got crossed somewhere, wires got crossed, or something's not right here, and we have to press into the truth of this word and find out who this God is and what he has done for us. Because he's appealing to us. You know, Lord is coming soon. The Lord is coming back. The, the, the writing is on the wall. We see it all around us. You know, in the book of Malachi, before he closed the Old Testament, he says this in chapter 3. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's soap. 
He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer the Lord the offering of righteousness. God says, the Lord says, I love uh, righteousness and I hate lawlessness. That's his nature. That's just who he is. When we say God is holy, that means he's other than. He's not like us. He's not like anything around here. He is other than. But he wants relationship with us. And so there's a, there's a mediator between us and this holy God. It's like you hear that story about when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the land. And... Uh, the, 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 they were carrying, they were, the, they put it on an ox cart, which is already, we're out of bounds. We're not supposed to be carrying this thing on an ox cart. So they're bringing it, it hits a, uh, uh, a pothole in the road, boom, and the ark starts to tumble off. And I think it was, was it Uriah? Goes up and he, and he holds the ark up so that it wouldn't fall off the ox cart. And God's fury comes down, boom, and kills the guy on the spot. You're like, what? He was just trying to do something good. But that's to show the holiness of God. You don't play games with God. That's how holy he is. It's like, so we have an insulator. This thing was charged with God's power. And we have an insulator, which is Jesus Christ, that we can come through Jesus to get to this power. And he wants us to be there. He wants to, he wants to uh, have that relationship with us so that we can tap into the holiness and the power of God. And we have one mediator. His name is Jesus Christ. And he appeals to us to come. And when we come his way, we can expect to see things happen. Amen? It says, uh, says in chapter 4 of the same book, Malachi, it says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant. This is chapter 4, verse 4. My servant, which I commanded him in Horeb and in Israel, with his statutes and judgments. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I come and strike the earth with a curse. So he's... Once again, heralding the appearance of Messiah, Jesus Christ. You know, it must have been interesting to be a Jew back in those days because the Messiah hadn't been born. And I heard that it was the hopes of every maiden in Israel that maybe I'm going to be the one that will birth the Savior of Israel, the Savior of the world. And everybody, you know, whenever there's a, a birth coming, wow, maybe, I wonder if this is the one, I wonder. And then we know the story about Jesus, how many special things would accompany that birth that um, conceived by the Holy Spirit, having to go through that reproach. Joseph is like, well, I love Mary, but man, she violated the contract here where she was betrothed to me. Now she's a pie. And you know, maybe I can just put her off on the side and don't tell anybody about this. And then the angel comes to him and says, no, this is a work from the Holy Spirit. She's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Marry her. And he does. And the child comes and he grows up. And, and there's all these miraculous things involved in his life. He goes up to uh, the temple during the time of the Passover. And he says he's lingering around in the temple grounds. And he's asking the scribes and the Pharisees and those who are the religious people over there. He's asking them all these questions. And they're shaking their They're like scratching their head like, that's a tremendous question from a 12-year-old. And his parents already, they left in a huge company. They were going back up to um, Nazareth and, uh, or Judea up there and uh, Sea of Galilee, in the, that region where they're living. And uh, they realized, wow, where's Jesus? He's not in the company. He's, he, he, we left him and it was, they went one day out 
walking up there, it's about, I don't know, I don't know how many miles, over 100 miles, I think, and then, or 90-something miles, and they start walking back. So one day out, one day back, they come to the temple on the third day, searching the city, they see him sitting in the midst of the temple, 12 years old, and he says, why did you worry about me? Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? 12 years old. Puzzling these guys with the wisdom. And the might of it. I, I just, where, where, I mean, did somebody teach him or he just knew this stuff inherently? Or what happened here, you know, that he was doing this? But the specialness of this child. And so, to fulfill that scripture that we just looked at, it says there was a voice of one crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist, that would herald the special uniqueness of this child. And, and everybody's going out there, what, what, are you the prophet that Moses talked about? Are you Elijah? Are you this? He goes, no, I'm what it says in Isaiah. I'm the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Make your way straight. Get your stuff in order, in other words. Did you guys see that prophecy that came in? You know, we sent it out there, but the word was, brace yourself. Did you guys see that one? I know a lot of you did. If you look it up on, on YouTube, just put in, brace yourself. The thing is, God wants his people ready because he's coming back. God wants his people repentive because he's coming back. God wants to direct our attention to those things that are eternal and off those things that are stealing our attention and pulling us away. He wants us focused. He says, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. If we can learn anything from the past, we can project it into the future and we know this is the pattern. This is what God is looking for right now, right? That God is looking. He says, I hate lawlessness. I love righteousness. And we, if we're in Christ Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not about, oh, let me try to gear this thing up. Let me try to uh, work it up, work it up. It's when we get into relationship with him, we can rest in the fact that it's a completed work in the name of Jesus. That we can rest in that relationship. That's what the Bible talks about. That's, it. That's the renewing of the mind. Because I tell you, the devil will fan the flames of our self-effort. He'll go over there, you have a little bit of a spark, and he'll go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all you got to do is you got to try hard, you got to do this, 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 this. And if you hit, if you miss one of those marks, he'll come up and he'll slap you on the head and say, wow, you didn't do that so good, did you? But it's already complete in Christ. That we can have rest. This is we, we labor to enter into the rest. Which is the realization that Christ already purchased for us. This thing that we desire. That we have it. The moment that we ask Christ into our heart. We have it. But he wants it to grow. He wants it to grow. Amen. That's part of repentance. It's changing of our thinking. It's turning, if we were walking this way, it's turning, doing a U-turn and walking towards Him. That's the two steps of this. Walk towards the Lord. Stop going in a direction away from Him. Run towards Him. Love the story about the prodigal son. The prodigal son had an attitude. It's like, I wish you were dead, Dad. I wish you would just give me my money so I can go do my own thing. He says, okay, son. I'll fulfill your request. Goes to the bank, makes a withdrawal. Here you go. Here's your inheritance. Gives it to him. All right, man, it's party time. And he goes out into the world and he, he's like, you know, paying for the party. You guys want to do this? He's just going off. And all of a sudden the money runs out and he goes, uh-oh, what do I do now? 
as he's feeding the pigs and the pig food looks pretty good, he goes, oh, maybe I could eat some of these pods. They're looking pretty good at this point. And then he thinks, what am I thinking? I could be a servant in my father's house and my ser- the father's servants eat better than these, you know, than I am right now. And so he goes back home with his head hanging and he's rehearsing this speech in his head. Dad, I'm so sorry. I disrespected your authority. I, I did my own thing. I spent all the inheritance. I really screwed up big time. Please forgive me. He's thinking about this on the way home. And it says, the father saw him from afar. I saw him sitting on the porch, looking down that road. And he goes, Lord, I've been praying my son's going to come back someday. I'm praying my son's going to come back someday. And he looks up and he goes, could that be him? And instead of sitting there like this on the porch waiting, he got up and he ran to his son. Is that not a picture of a loving father? I mean, after all that, and he probably smelt like a pig too, coming home. And the father ran down the road. There's, you know, I heard somebody make a notation. It says, you never see Jesus in peril of his life. You never see him run. People want to kill him. People want to stone him. He just hid from them and he walked away. He walked to the next town. He was always at his pace. A real, a real stately gait walking to his destination, fulfilling what he came to do, but never running. But here, if this illustrates the father, the father cannot wait and he runs to the son to embrace him. I mean, if that's not a renewing of the mind, because most of us don't have a father that could meet that standard. You know, as a father, it's like, well, you got to stew in that a little while. That you stole the inheritance. You took that. You know, you, we have an attitude. We can cop an attitude and we don't reflect rightly who this God is. This God of love and holiness. And that's who he is towards us. If we get a revelation of that. That's repentance right there. To understand. I had a lot more scriptures to read. But I'm not going to get to it today. But I want to, in closing, I want to read this one. It says in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What we think about, what we allow to go into our, our eyes, what we allow to meditate, what we esteem as truth, has the ability to change our behavior. Amen. This word is truth. He says that his word will not return void, but it will purpose. It'll, it, it'll, it'll fulfill the purpose for which it was sent. If we're open to it. If the soil of our heart is properly prepared, a heart of humility, that it can bring forth fruit. That we say, you know what God? You're not the one who's wrong. I'm the one who was wrong here. And even that revelation, even if we're not at that point yet, say, I'm not willing at this point to make that confession, but please, Lord, make me willing to be willing to make that confession because that's where the transformation takes place. I've seen it too many times. When we come before God and we start pointing the finger of blame, it's his fault, it's that fault, it's that, if I would have this, that, not yet, not yet. 
But if we can come to the place where we say, Lord, I have my problems. I need your help. I see things change at that point. That's where the action takes place. Amen? Amen. The parable of the soils. Some of them hit the ground. It wasn't prepared right. Bounces off. The birds come and eat it. Second one, on the wayside, grows up a little bit. Rocks, not any depth of soil. Boom, it withers and dies. Second one, or the third one, uh, falls kind of in good soil, but a lot of weed seeds in there. The cares of the earth, the, uh, the, the, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, care of, it doesn't bear any fruit. The one that went into the good, prepared soil can bring forth fruit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray.